Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to In the Clouds podcast. This is Bobby Tishy along with Cole Fisher. And today we're going to dive into everything around the iOS 15 update and the mail privacy protection that will be rolling out later this year. Uh, the overview of it, what it entails, what it means for marketers, and really how to react to it and how to make sure that you're, you're moving forward. So Cole, if you don't mind, just kind of starting with an overview of the mail privacy protection piece that Apple's going to be rolling out and what it will really affect as far as users are concerned. Yeah, so I, I think this has caused a lot of stir for and, and some some panic, honestly, for a lot of marketers right now. But mail privacy protection. Um, so you know, iOS fourteen come out, and there were implications for um, ads and ad marketers. Now iOS fifteen is going to be the latest update, uh, and that's for like this is for the mail app on. Uh, on your, your mobile, on iPads, on uh, Mac OS, Monterey devices. This is going to give people the option um, to not share their open information. And so Apple actually came out and they said in, in a statement, so they're like mail privacy protection stops senders from using invisible pixels to collect information about users. So this presents, it, it, it's gonna stop senders from knowing when they open an email, uh, it masks the IP address, so it can't be linked to online activity. To use to, that is usually used to, to uh, tell about their location. So what this actually entails is three different components. First off, um, that so to explain like how we um, you know render opens in reporting as marketers, typically what that means is there's a, a mail tracking pixel and that's going to stop loading. Uh, and so Apple Mail is going to start running images through proxy servers. And that's going to remove that capability of actually having an image-based tracking pixel that loads and reports to us when that message gets opened up. So it's not automatically turned off, but the, the users upon the, the first time of, of acti- activating iOS 15, they're going to have the option to opt out of allowing that pixel to, to render. Um, the second component of this is is removing location data. So a lot of the times we use IP address to tell us where somebody is for our reporting. Um, and so what, what Apple's gonna be doing, it's not necessarily a VPN, but traffic's gonna run through Apple servers and a third party server to remove identifying information. And apparently that third party server is going to remove it from Apple's capability to, to see it as well. I, I you know, I've not really heard the details on that, but uh, that's what they allege. But traffic that leaves uh, a user's device will be encrypted so that the third party can't see that a third party can't see what they're looking at or searching for. Um, and then the last component of this is actually a hide my email features. So certain subscribers, like iCloud subscribers, are able to basically have like burner accounts for email address. So they're going to be 
creating temporary anonymous email addresses that they can just basically ditch after that within inside the mail app. So that's going to be a little bit of a, a pump fake. Um, I we we don't know what these like I I don't know at this point what these sort of um, hidden or burner email addresses look like. There may be um, you know certain characters or identifiers that allow us to see what that is, and maybe thus we don't drop them into permanent audiences. Um, but that one's still a little bit of a mystery. And so this is actually being uh, baited starting in July. And uh, the official launch is supposed to be sometime between September and November of 2021. So these are, these are going to be some pretty big changes. Well, and the, the hide my email feature is actually already in place today because, well, and I don't know if it's to this extent, but when you sign up for a subscription through Apple, so for example, let's say that you sign up for HBO Max through that subscription, you can decide if you want to share your actual email address with HBO or if it's a masked one that Apple's kind of providing on your behalf. And then it will ultimately you know, redirect it to whatever email you use for your Apple ID. So I'm assuming they'll use that same kind of feature functionality for the hide my email feature. Yeah, and the but, funny thing is like, we'll, we'll, and we'll get to this point, but like a lot of these things really shouldn't be earth shattering right now. Cause like permutations of these already exist. And we're all like marketers already deal with this. It's maybe just not at super high volumes yet, or we've not seen a lot of this yet, but there's sort of like iterations of this that are already in place that marketers have or should have been dealing with in the past. So like, it's not, it's not crazy novel. It's just, it feels like a, a bigger impact. And that'll be one of our, our points is this isn't really freak out time. It shouldn't be. Right. So we've got this new, feature that's going to roll out, people will have the opportunity once they upgrade to iOS 15 and they open their mail app for the first time, they'll be able to select whether or not they want to hide their activity um, or not. So that's that's another big piece of this too, is that not everyone may decide to hide it, but it, it really shouldn't matter to your point. And so that parlays us into the next point of this is what this really means for marketers and how they should be reacting to it. Yeah. So I think the the first thing that we need to think about is reframing the conversation of how we view consumer data. Like, you know, data is so valuable to marketers and like, you know, when we own data, like it's, it's the most prized possession. Like, I, I think that conversation needs to be kind of shifted in, in the framework of you, you didn't own the data. You never did. It's not, it's as a marketer, it's not your data. It belongs to the customer. Any customer data you have always belongs to the customer. This is only like forcing us to, to abide by that. But the fact of the matter is like with CCPA, GDPR, and, and like these regulations that, that come into play, they're reinforcing the fact that customers own their data and they should. The data never actually belonged to marketers. Customer data didn't belong to marketers. We have permission to use it. And if we provide enough value, if we provide you know, proper personalization and and you know, high segmentation and, you know, a, a, a proper customer experience, then we're rewarded with being allowed to continue to use that, that customer data to the customer's benefit. So like, I, I think this just helps us sort of like reframe what that conversation needs to look like. The other point is that 
what is advantageous or beneficial to a customer doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative to the marketer. It's not a zero sum game in that if a customer wants to have a certain experience, feel protected, own their data, or be stingy with who they allow, who they share this data with, then that shouldn't negatively impact a marketer. It's kind of like unsubscribes in an email. If someone's telling you that they want to unsubscribe, it's not a disadvantage for a marketer. We look at that as an advantage because now we have to, we, we get to stop sending to an unengaged waste of, of messaging and content and effort. If they don't want to hear from us, you shouldn't want to pester them, right? It's, it's, not, it's not zero sum. It should be really beneficial. And so, you know, when we stop as marketers, we stop, you know, viewing this as we act like big brother. And, you know, if, if this is something that we're not providing value to, you know, marketing is, is supposed to be serving, informing, and providing value to customers or prospects. If that's not the case, then their privacy and preference should be absolutely fundamental to how we operate as marketers. And then I, I think the last point for market for us, as we think about how this rolls out, is that maybe not everybody's going to be adopting this right away. It's not going to be a flip the switch. So I, I think first off, if we've been, you know, if we've been marketing properly, then, you know, there's all these stats. And I think Accenture has a, one of the latest ones that says like 83% of consumers are willing to share data as long as it creates a more personalized experience for them. And so, you know, and, and this is, this kind of goes exponential for like younger demographics and things like that, where we don't mind sharing data because we know it personalizes the experience and we appreciate that. Like if I'm going to be served ads or content or, you know, a, a web experience, I want it to be at least relevant to me. I know they're going to serve me something. It might as well be content that I've expressed an interest in. So if I opt to share my opens, like it's me rewarding my, my marketers because they've been providing a good experience. If we haven't been, then they're probably more likely to, to you know, opt out of sending opens. Um, but I think you know, the thing for us is like, this is not panic time. So for you know, a lot of customers, first off, it's, it's going to be a, an assessment for all organizations on what does their user base look like? Are they, you know, 50-50 iPhones and, and Androids when it comes to mobile? Uh, is, is, you know, Apple Mail is, I, I've seen everything from like 10 to um, like 11 and a half, 12%. Uh, you know, I, I think a litmus, Bobby, you pointed out, had like 11 and a half percent Apple Mail clients. Um, iPhone was like 38.9%. Like these, these could be pretty big, you know, impactors. Your, your organization may look very different depending on, you know, your, your product services, whatever else you, you may be, however you attract a demographic. Yours may be very different. You may be entirely dependent on, you know, iOS 15 and early adopters. And so that you could be seeing these impacts earlier than anybody else. But I would expect that adoption of this feature would be gradual. And some customers will still simply just want the personalized experience. Um, but I think the last thing that we as marketers should really consider is what exactly the open means for us. Like, oh, that's that's the big loss, you know, the feeling of a loss here is that we're no longer seeing opens potentially with some of our email clients. So is that, are opens the, like the real end all be all? And, and Bob, you and I have talked about this before, but 
you know, it may not have been a concrete KPI all along. So first off, like this tracking pixel being turned off, anyone with images turned off right now or ISPs that don't render images, they're also not loading your tracking pixel. So you're also not getting opens necessarily on those unless they're opting into the, the images. So like, there's already wiggle room where we're like, we're not seeing 100% accurate data here, but we've been okay with looking at the lion's share and saying like, okay, we think this is relatively accurate. And for the most part it is. Um, but when we think about like the, the really important metrics here, opens aren't nearly as important as clicks, conversions, time on site, product views, things like that, that are really much more uh, accurate signals for like success metrics, like what's actually working versus what's not. Um, that, that really tells us, it's like I, we had a conversation earlier and I was kind of likening this to clickbait. Like even when you, when you test, uh, like A-B test your subject lines, what you're actually finding is a lot of the times, if you're basing that on opens rather than conversions, there's a difference at the end of that funnel. What your, what your opens are telling you is like, what seems to be a more, you know, um, provocative statement? What's a more exciting subject line that gets the open? But the open's not what we get success on. You're likely not making revenue off of an open if you're an email marketer. What really happens is- well, Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, well, I think a couple of things. One, you know, to your point about the personalization, if I think one one thing that marketers have trouble with now is that not a lot of marketers even have the the time or the tools or solutions to be able to provide those personalized experiences. So while some marketers might freak out about losing some kind of data, I would I would be curious to see how many of them are actually using this type of data to drive some of their campaigns. Certainly some of them are, um, but it kind of goes back to, we consistently hear that marketers want real-time data, but then when you ask them, what would they do with that real-time data? Like, mm -hmm. well, I, I'm not sure, I just need it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of taking a step back and reevaluating um, what you need or and based on that, what you're gonna be using. Uh, the, another example I always like to think of is, uh, we've had some customers in the past say, you know, we're not ready to roll out our SMS program yet, but should we go ahead and start collecting people's SMS opt-ins? Like, well, absolutely not. If if at the time that I'm opting, opting into something, I expect something from you. And to, to Accenture's point that you mentioned around personalized experience, I'm happy to give you my information if it means that I'm going to have a better experience or you're going to show me products that are more relevant to me. But if you're just going to collect my data to collect it and put it on a shelf for six months and then start messaging to me or personalizing to me, it's going to be out of sight, out of mind, or it's going to be um, the adverse effect where I'm not interested anymore because at the time I was, but now I'm not. And then you just hit me with something that seems like it's spam. And then to your point about the different email clients, it's really important that, to understand that email clients certainly have a piece of um your marketing strategy, specifically when it comes to content, because different clients render things differently, but it has gotten a lot better. So just piggybacking off that point, it, it's not a, a make or break type of a scenario, especially when we think about opens not being a real concrete KPI anyway. Yeah, and I, I really like your point too about, you know, that, that, reactive real-time 
reaction to something like, especially SMS. Like if I'm if I'm giving you information and I get this later on, like you 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 start up your program three or six months later, and then you start your first SMS campaign to me. I've either forgotten about it, my preferences or needs have, have entirely changed, um, or I'm going to feel invaded. Or or there's also that that thing where like I sign up for an email or something like that, and I don't get a response or a welcome like in the first couple hours, I'm like, oh, my, my information is just kind of like floating out there and somebody has it and I'm not getting anything for it. Like, what, why was there, there's supposed to be a trade-off here. I was supposed to receive information on you know, giving you mine. So like, there's, there's something like that, that's, you know, inherently really, and, and you know, I could, I could really geek out on a psychological impact of, of this called dynamic inconsistency, whereas things change at different points in times, even even preferences and shopping habits and a product you're looking for, like if you're not reacting right away, then these have this has big implications. And when we're using like opens as a metric, like that, that's not really giving a, giving us any of this this big time information. So like that opens almost is is one of the most deceptive KPIs that we generally use as like everyday metrics. For marketers who potentially do leverage open as a KPI or a metric, or really just marketers in general, as we think about this male privacy protection, how should they prepare or react as it starts to roll out later? Yeah, uh, that's a fair question. Like, first off, I, I think part of it is just like assessing the impact on your organization. So like, yeah, let's look at like, what the breakdown is of, of devices and platforms, you know, how many do we see on, you know, iOS versus like maybe, so if you were a content marketer and this would, would be like where opens really is the, the metric for it because you're not sending traffic anywhere, then yeah, this is going to be a pretty big, a pretty big deal for you. So like maybe there's a metric, uh, you know, aside from just opens where you're extrapolating the, you know, non iOS 15 opens, and, and you're using that to predict the, you know, the average or something like that, where you're still you know, getting content out there. And, you know, maybe that's a way that you, you adapt. I think part of it is like, this just reinforces the, the importance of cross-channel reach. So if you, if you have SMS in place, whether it's, or, or an app or web or, um, or, or, you know, effectively using ads, like this only reinforces the need for other channels than just email. If you're focusing solely on one leg of the chair, then a little change like this can have a much more um, devastating impact or, or cause a lot more panic. Um, the other thing right now is that like, you know, it's important to, as we go through this sort of like self-assessment to look at the assets we have in place. So like content, especially like journeys or automations, like what are our impacts here? Um, re-engagement campaigns, a lot of these times are built solely on opens. And if that's the case, we need to go in and up to those. A, I would, you know, first things first, I would run re-engagement campaigns now uh, if they are based on opens. And then, you know, if there are other journeys and or, or campaigns where decisioning and orchestration is based upon opens, then we're going to want to change those up to be some sort of like clicks or conversions or things like that. We're also going to re need to kind of rethink what re-engagement looks like when we don't see opens. Um, and we're, it, it puts, again, that more emphasis on stitching that identity of cross-channel capability uh, together. So 
one thing that we don't really know is um, if or how the email tracking will impact like honeypot and spam trap emails. So this is still important to keep re-engagement in mind uh, because we don't know if that's going to change the thresholds. Like now that we can't see opens, our ISP is going to be as strict about like their spam trap emails. Um, and then, you know, the other thing as we go through sort of like looking at journeys and automations, thing like that, is just rethinking how we subject line test. So, uh, you know, again, to reinforce that fact of like, is our A-B testing really, is looking at opens properly? And is that really kind of the uh, equivalent to clickbait? Just telling us what sounds more important versus what is more correlated to the content and more likely to get conversions inside. So, I mean, clicks and conversion rates are certainly better predictors of your performance than opens are. Um, and then the last thing too is like, you know, AI or machine learning model impacts. Like if we're using opens anywhere for like, you know, as a coefficient and algorithm for certain affinities or send time optimization, um, profiling, segmentation, those are, those are things that we're going to want to, you know, that, that open as a metric either needs to be removed or revamped in some way. Um, but I think the, the, the last thing for marketers, honestly, and, and how we react to this or how we prepare for these, these sweeping changes is it, it sounds odd, but we should be oddly comfortable with this. Like we should, the takeaway is do nothing differently than you've already been doing this. So as marketers, if we're actually practicing what we preach, we're constantly iterating on our marketing strategy. We're always trying new things. We're A-B testing. We're optimizing, we're, we're looking at the data and we're challenging the interpretation of the data and we're trying new things constantly. So many of us as marketers have already gotten to the point where opens are a shifty at best metric that we use. Maybe there are more important things like conversions that we should be looking at at the very end of this funnel to tell us you know, how good these subject lines are, for instance. Um, these are like this normal, like analyzing, testing, optimizing, and gradual iterative rollouts, like these are patterns of behavior that, that we marketers should be used to. It's status quo for us at this point. So changing something else really should be a pretty welcomed um, normal piece of this pattern of behavior. So my encouragement would be, you know, do this proactively. This won't be, you know, iOS 15 won't be the only one that offers this. This will become, you know, the, the normative expectation. So the panic will really be on those that haven't been, um, that are either like heavy, heavy open and content related, or the panic is really coming from those that are being more reactive to it and trying to fight off or stave off from, you know, from this change. So my, yeah, my encouragement would be keep acting like marketers because we've always been changing or having some sort of like organization-wide impact or new thing we want to try or experiment with. So I would encourage continuing to do that and looking at that, the, those metrics and analysis of the data and challenging what those interpretations mean. Because when we challenged it, that's when we found out that opens weren't really telling us everything we thought they were telling us to begin with. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head there at the end too, that this isn't gonna be the exception. This is gonna be the norm as we continue to get further and further down the path of consumer privacy. So figuring out the best way to not only determine our KPIs, but then be able to track them without these, what we would think of as arbitrary metrics is gonna be really key. So thanks a bunch for going through that. Jumping over to completely unrelated, 
your favorite iPhone app. That's it. That's a do well, so which is only quasi unrelated because we're still on iPhone technically. So that's but, true. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I look at my home screen, and it's mostly like work apps, like like Slack and you know Drive and things like, like Google Drive and things like that, because that's the stuff I, I use most frequently. If I think about like recreation, um, well, I guess I would I would I would say two. One of which I wouldn't put as my favorite, but I would say it was really interesting. My my. The one when, I, when I'm like in the airport and there's just like two more minutes and I I, I just don't want to like stare at my email anymore and I want some like mind numbing, like we have no service, the flight's about to take off, like that's when I just bust out Euchre and I just, you know, relax and let, let, let my mind go a little bit and just kind of, you know, just sort of, sort of enjoy the, the easy odds of, uh, of Euchre playing. Uh, there was one uh, app that I thought was really interesting and it was called Sonar. I'm sure it's still around, but what it would basically do was it's, it's super creepy, but this kind of like, you know, harkens back to that effect of if I'm receiving a benefit from it, I don't mind sharing as a consumer, I don't mind sharing my information. So Sonar was an app that would let you stitch your geolocation with like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, things like that. And so you could walk into a restaurant or you know, a concert or anything like that. And it would say like, hey, you have, you know, you're at this location and you have three LinkedIn um, connections here and two Facebook friends. And then um, four people that follow you on Twitter are also here. Ooh, I don't like that. That's <laughs> creepy. But it was, it was so novel when it came out. I was like, oh, that's pretty wild. Cause like you just walk in like, oh, hey, I know someone here. But like, yeah, after a little bit of it, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and dial that one back and not have that anymore. But it was, I mean, but some people, some people love that. Like it, it does sound a little big brotherish, but you know, as a total extrovert, it wasn't unwelcome to me at first. Like, hey, like I want to know who I know here. Like, oh, so and so is here from LinkedIn. I'm gonna go track him down, and find him, and, you know, have a beer or something. But you know, after a while, I was kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know that I, I want to know like this. Like th this feels creepy on my end as well as theirs because they're on so much allowing this. You know, I'm just picturing you walking up to like every table at a restaurant, and be like, do you follow me on Twitter? Do you follow me on Twitter? <laughs> I know hey, one you of Tom? you. Are you Phil? Are you still? Who's? Who, which one of you is this? Is this your profile pic? <laughs> and then you, you get the the fun activity of looking at someone's profile picture and then realizing that it's from like three years ago and the best lighting that they've ever had. <laughs> and then you see him in person, you're like, ooh, Phil, what happened? <laughs> What I about you? Would, your favorite iPhone? Yeah, I think because I was thinking about this as we were talking about the topic of like, we probably should have prefaced it of like favorite iPhone app or like the most used iPhone app that you have on your phone. Because um, I love the Gmail app because we run here at Love, we run on Gmail. So I love utilizing the Gmail because it's, I actually think it's better than the, like, the desktop version on the web. Because uh, you can do like you can snooze, you can um, categorize things. It just, it makes it super easy. But uh, I think I think it'd be a, t a tie between um, photos, just like my my photos, all, but also um, with Joni, my wife's photos, because like what I try to do, like just about every week is she takes a ton of photos just throughout the week or throughout the day. So I love going through and seeing like what photos she's taken of like our dogs or if we went somewhere and she takes much more photos than I do. 
but I, I actually a lot, I found myself recently going to photos and then going way back up to the top, to like the beginning. And I think mine starts at like 2014. So it's got seven years of photos in there and I'll just kind of scroll for a while and then stop it and then see wherever it stops and kind of go, go down memory lane to your point where you just got a couple of minutes and um, you don't have access to internet or anything like that. So it's probably photos. Although I, I will say, I, I, you're probably gonna be ashamed of me for saying this. I don't know that I know how to play Euchre. Ooh, and you were born in Indiana? Yeah, no, I wasn't, I was born in Illinois. Oh, well, yeah, but you grew up in Indiana. How can you not know how to play Euchre? I know. It's, it's such know. a Midwestern thing though. Uh, it's just a fun, easy game, and it's more luck than skill. Like lucky players can beat skilled players, which you know is kind of the equalizer. But no, that's one of my favorite card games, which probably just describes yeah. what a Midwestern simpleton I really am. <laughs> Instead of euchre, I prefer gambling because that's obviously all skill and no luck, <laughs> and I always win. So <laughs> naturally, yeah, exactly. Uh, I actually, I've loaned quite a bit of money to Vegas from all of my winnings so that they could build those casinos. <laughs> so you're welcome. Loan, yeah, loan, loss, same thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. As always, you can reach us at in the clouds at lovedigital.com. If you have any questions, ideas for topics, we'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks, Cole. And we'll talk to you next time.